Welcome to the Cyclical Podcast. Cyclical Inc. is a community of church starters, discerners, coaches, and leaders who believe in God's love inspiring faithful innovation through the church. On this podcast, we'll have dialogues with practitioners to gain insight, inspiration, and best practices for starting and leading churches in a post-industrial context. Welcome to the conversation. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Cyclical Podcast. We're so glad you could join us for this conversation today. I'm here with my co-hosts, Nick Warnes and Brendan McLenahan. Hey, guys. Hey, Brianna. Hey, Brianna. Today, we have a guest that, who is actually on season one. We are here with Miss Jennifer DeCombe. And Nick, I wonder if you could tell us, um, and Jennifer as well, uh, you wrote your chapter on discipleship. And so why, why discipleship? Why was that uh, what you chose, Jennifer? Yeah, so um, when I looked at the list, I was immediately attracted to the discipleship uh, topic. Um, and I think it's because you know, this is the journey that I'm on. Like, um, I became a Christian 20 years ago, and um, I feel like all of my work flows out of my discipleship, and um, it's been so central to, to who I am and, and how I do things. So um, the chance to talk about discipleship, how to grow in discipleship, uh, just really attracted me. And um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of how I chose that one out of the various topics. I mean, here's the thing, Brianna, that Jen's not going to admit this, but Jen is a boss. Jen is a boss uh, that has been doing um, disciple making on on a national level with a national denomination now for a while. And she's not like any like normal boss, at least in normal, quote unquote, in my brain. Uh, Jen is a, a very, very caring person that cares deeply about the lives of individuals and tends well to the people uh, with whom she works with uh, that, that uh, lead those lives. So, you know, on a national systems level, um, Jen has shown a tremendous capacity um, to do this all over the country of Canada. Mm-hmm. So granted, that's why I would say that Jen was perfectly fit um, to be uh, writing this letter. Hey, can we do a, can we do a, a bio on Jen and, and then get into this interview? Yeah, I got it. Um, so this is Jen's bio. Jen DeCombe serves as the associate Secretary of Canadian Ministries for the Presbyterian Church in Canada. During her time in this role in the PCC has launched two congregational renewal programs and a church planting support initiative in partnership with Sickle Inc. She's passionate about discipleship, evangelism, and starting new churches, and she holds a Master of Sacred Theology from McGill University in Montreal. So, Nick, um, do you want to just take it from here with your interview? And um, I'd love to hear just drop in in your guys' conversation here. Can I actually just add something before you jump in, Nick? Yes, I can't wait. Let's do this. Well, I just, uh, you know, after you were speaking about um, the the role that I occupy nationally and and how it relates to discipleship um, and leadership, I think discipleship is the most important thing that leaders can can really focus on. Mm -hmm. I think discipleship transforms your leadership. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, when I started in this role, uh, we didn't have a practice of community discipleship within our department. Uh, mm-hmm. Like we would hold meetings, we'd say prayers, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't really central to who we were as a team. Right. Right. Um, and one of the first things that we did um, when we formed our new team was to develop a practice of discipleship. So we read scripture together, we pray together, and we pray intentional prayer. So we, 
um, we pray like for the needs of the denomination. We pray for the needs of, of the people in the, in the department. Uh, we pray for individual leaders. Um, and it has been the single most transforming thing that we have done as a department. And as soon as we began praying, um, and reading scripture, God started answering our prayers in like these. Heaven forbid! What a what a crazy idea that is. <laughs> it's no, it, it was like absolutely, absolutely amazing, and um, yeah. and you know those programs that like you spoke about that we like uh, that have been started in the past few years. Those are all direct answers to prayer. Uh, we would pray for congregational renewal. We would pray for new church plants, and then all of a sudden we started meeting great people like you and uh, and Rick Morris from the United Disciples of Christ, and and it. We just we were able to do so much more as a result of prayer. So I I think it's transformative and essential. What is it? I mean, as you as you've engaged with leaders, especially leaders that maybe are a little closer to mainline traditions, where something is simple. It's not simple. Something is you think would be as foundational and baseline, including something like prayer and disciple making. Uh, why have people lost touch with that? That's a good question. Um, yeah. It's, I think a lot of times um, we place prayer and spiritual practices in the hands of ordained clergy mm, um, and think that they're the ones that, um, that know how to do it well. Um, and so basically people become disempowered in their discipleship. Um, so it's something that they're, you know, they're encouraged to do at home, but not take leadership in necessarily. And um, so that's why, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll find yourself in a group setting and you ask someone to pray without, like, without having had a chance to prepare and people kind of freeze up. It's, um, we, we've, we've placed a lot in the hands of professional clergy. And I think actually that's one of um, the areas we need to grow in as mainline churches is discipleship is for everyone. Prayer is for everyone. Scriptural knowledge is for everyone. Yeah. Um, and this is who we are as a people of God. Right. Um, and the transformation that happens when everyone... Um, owns and and advances in their discipleship is incredible yeah 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 well said very well said um so you did do you did this chapter in uh this book that we did called faithful innovation beginning Mm -hmm. a conversation for a post-covid church uh we are still in the throes of covid Uh, we are uh, recording this podcast right after the first sunday of advent 2020 uh, the cases in the United States uh, have not been higher than they are right now in this moment. How is it in Canada right now? Uh, also climbing. So uh, where I live, we've just got into lockdown until December 21st. So only essential businesses are open. And, and so for our listeners, yeah. Jen is in Toronto and I'm in Los Angeles. And uh, we have that same rhythm. That's the same as, as our city. Uh, so I do want to honor that uh, we are still moving through COVID as we think about disciple making, uh, but the the purpose of this podcast this season and this book was to get out on the front edge of how we can be equipped and prepared to move toward not just a new normal, but a better normal for the church as we move through and then out of COVID. So uh, with, with that kind of spirit in mind, um, Jen, you, you did just kind of talk about um, discipleship even, even pre-COVID. Uh, we talked about it a little bit with regard to the mainline church. What do you think about just discipleship in the midst of COVID? How have you seen that happening around Canada? Um, what's been going well? Uh, what hasn't been going well? And how does that kind of intersect with what you might have expected? Well, what I've um, noticed is that people are more willing to reveal uh, the truth about where they are 
which I think is a really helpful thing in discipleship. Um, and actually, partly, I think that ties into the question before. I think part of the reason where why um, people weren't empowered in their discipleship is that people, like, especially in Canadian society, we're very private about certain things. Religion is one of those things. Um, and I think that uh, COVID, we've, we've, um, our vulnerability has been exposed, and we're becoming less private about these things. Um, so, uh, you know, it, never have I seen people willing to admit, like, they're lonely, they, they, right. uh, they're addicted, they, they need help. And from that space, like, that's a space where people turn to God, and they're looking right. for something. And, and they're realizing that the cheap fixes don't work. So, like, mm -hmm. Netflix binging, video games, all those things that we turn, food, alcohol, whatever it is, those things aren't fulfilling us. And so I think people are being brought to a place where they're more... Uh, willing to turn to God and, and ready um, to connect with God and really longing for that. So we don't want to give away your whole chapter uh, okay. in this podcast, but you do point out three key things for moving through and out of COVID. Um, and the first one, which you're starting to touch on right now, is uh, this reality that that we're not okay. Yeah, yeah. You, I think some, from reading your chapter and just from knowing you for a while, um, it, it feels like... Uh, I've learned from you that there's an increasing ratio of people that are not okay. Mm -hmm. um, and um, what you're saying in your chapter is this actually uh, is an opportunity for the church to, to participate in some flourishing and transformation in the lives of people. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I think actually one of the, the barriers we had to evangelism is, um, and Ross Lockhart, another person who wrote a chapter in this book, in a book that he wrote, um, uh, I can't remember something, Leaving Laodicea. Do you remember the name of the book that he wrote? I can't remember. Laodicea, the... yeah, right. Yeah. So, um, but Mitchell he made the church point. In a, in a wealthier context, right? Is kind of. Yeah, the... precisely. So, you know, one of our barriers to evangelism um, was, you know, people were okay. Like, you know, I, I have this house, I have these two cars, I have this like family, I have my, my game night every Friday, and we go on vacation, and my life is great. Like, what do I need God for? And I think that has like completely cracked right? Like we realize that those are not real things. And, and um, so I think the like COVID has, has revealed the, the falseness of that narrative um, and revealed like the true human needs that we have, right? Um, and yeah, so I think that's really opened us up to discipleship. And um, like I'm seeing it in my friends. So like I, I, most of my friends are actually people from outside of the church. And sure. um, I've been getting like calls and messages asking like, like, so what, like, how do you see this time? Like, how do you see God in this time where like, you know, just people like longing to hear from someone with like a, like a, a faith to help explain what's happening. So, um, mm. like I, I, like I'm sensing an openness. Yeah. And have, have you seen any, uh, any churches, any, any new churches, any innovative kind of churches doing anything to, I don't know, leverage that is a terrible way to say it, to, to actually join people and and what's happening in their lives well i'm i'm seeing uh, churches starting like a um to go deeper in their ministry so like if they had a bible study um people are, are sharing more of themselves within these bible studies so they've they've moved them online and they've continued to grow them um we've seen uh, like a few church starts in this time so uh, at a prairie we um uh, have a church planter there, uh, Jennifer Ossetch Gooch, and she started a family ministry during this time. And um, it was funny, like, because she was preparing to launch in, in non-COVID dates, right? So she had, like, mm -hmm. started gathering her people, like, was ready to do this, uh, like, in-person gathering. And then, of course, COVID hit, and she wasn't sure, like, oh, should we go ahead? Should we not go ahead? 
And she called the families together and overwhelmingly they were like, this is just what we needed. Like, you know, to have a space where they could talk about the challenges of all of a sudden being with our kids 24 seven, you know? Uh, And it just like, I think these spaces where people can talk about what's real Mm -hmm. um, uh, and pray together. I think those are really key right now. I think something you and I that we've talked about over the years now is just the the, the breadth of our ministry, uh, the the wideness of it, and all the people all over the mm-hmm. world, uh, and our own inability to uh, be able to go deeper with so many people. Um, and I know a lot of the leaders that are listening to this podcast have a similar deal. The, the breadth of the ministry is so wide, uh, but it, it sounds like something that you're saying too is that this is an opportunity to go deeper with people even naturally in our own lives to focus on some sort of mutual discipleship. Oh, uh, absolutely. It's already going on. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think those moments are there. And um, I think one of our tasks right now as Christians is, is to, it's like, we, we have to be the ones who name God's presence. Like we're, we're, you know, we're the ones who like, like have our eyes open to God, right? Yeah, we're right. the ones who have, who've been taught how to discern the movement of the Holy spirit. And we, we need to point to those places for other people. I think that's really key. And to each other, like I need to hear my Christian friends telling me like, oh, I see God in your life this way so that it opens my eyes to God's presence in my life, right? That makes sense. Yeah, that's well said. Thank you for that. So that's the first one. Uh, You noted that a key opportunity moving through and out of COVID is increasing ratios of people understand that they're not okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, All the, the, what's Ross's line? Ross said he knew he had an opportunity with wealthier people in Vancouver when they looked at him and basically said, how many trips can we take to Hawaii before we figure out this isn't like the climax of all things? Right. So that kind of, that used to be the the crack door. Now that's that door, that conversation doesn't even exist right now. Yeah. Um, People understand now on, on different levels, especially when, you know, Netflix binging or, alcohol yeah. binging or video game binging, whatever, uh, isn't, isn't curing it. There's, there's gotta be something deeper. There's gotta be something more. Yeah. And, and you see signs of that, right? So like, um, you know, I think I talked about this in my chapter is, you know, COVID hit, it, people became very vulnerable, started sharing that they weren't okay. And then all of a sudden this flood of courses, like self-improvement courses, just like filled my Facebook feed. Like I could do anything I wanted, like learn how to make jam. I could yeah. take acting classes. Like, um, so, you know, like the world was trying to fulfill that need by offering these like self-improvement, but like, once again, those are just going to be like, they'll be fun. Sure. Those, I mean, those are great things to do. I, right. I like them, but they're not like what's going to offer ultimate fulfillment. And I think that's actually like a special gift that the church can offer the world. Like, so how can we create opportunities for people to have conversations that matter? Yeah. Like, yeah. right. Yeah. That makes sense. That's well said. Okay, so number one, uh, we're not okay. Number two, uh, you talked about the opportunity for people to create better rhythms. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, I, w- I remember I was with my wife two weekends ago. And for the first time, I felt overwhelmed about kicking it back into fifth gear, like how fast mm-hmm. I was moving um, pre-COVID. I feel really nervous to, to get back into that life, to be on an airplane every week, to be going somewhere, uh, mm-hmm. to, to be working early morning stuff, late night stuff, to be working across weekends, um, to just the, uh, the activity with friends and the activities with church and, and the fundraising. I mean, all the ways things were going so fast. Yeah. I've kind of, I've seen like the wonder and beauty now of, of a 7am walk with my son that I, I literally just got done with. 
Yeah. Uh, we went and got coffee. We've made new friends who are outside the coffee shop every day. We get a bagel. We say hi. Everyone asks how they're doing. And I walk home and it is the loveliest time, yeah. right? So I'm, I'm feeling nervous about going back to it. So yeah, I just, I really appreciate this part of your chapter um, and how you talked about COVID teaching us uh, how to do rhythms better. Can you just expand on that a little more for our listeners? Yeah. So I think that was one of the big reveals is that, you know, when you stop everything, it forces you to think, right? And I think we all realize like, we don't want to go back to what we were before. And, um, but we also don't like the, like the standstill either. And I think this is where like our Christian tradition has so much to offer us. Like there are so many resources around rhythm and pacing and like how to live a deep and meaningful life. Um, not just like on Sundays, but every day, like what are the practices and rhythms? So I think um, this is a unique and amazing opportunity to dig back into our Christian roots. So something like a program that I really like is the rule of life, um, which basically creates this, um, based on who you are, you establish this pattern, which to you brings you closer to God, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's really important is that, you know, like there's not like, you know, these five steps that you have to take and everyone needs to do those. Everyone they should be crafting their own based on who they are and who God has called them to be. So how um, might that be different for two different people? So for example, like you love going for like this prayerful walk with your son, meeting people. Um, other people might not like that type. Like they, maybe they want to be alone. Maybe um, they, for them, like what's really important is a time of like silence with God mm -hmm. or uh, reading scripture. Um, one of the things that I've been trying to step into is my generosity. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, as a spiritual practice. And so um, I, I do this thing, you know, whenever someone asks me for money, I give it to them. So if I would pass them on the street and, and they ask me for money and whatever I have, I, I pass along. Or if I go to the checkout and they say, like, would you like to donate two dollars to the children's fund? Yes, absolutely. And so that's become a spiritual practice. That's not going to be for everyone. So I think sure. you have to based on who you are and where you want to grow. Right. Sure. So I wanted to grow in generosity. Um, yeah. And so that's some, a rhythm that I have established. Well, is there a place where people might be able to find some of the different rhythms that they might be able to choose from? Maybe even almost like a menu, try some different things for their own life? Uh, yeah, so there's a few places that you can turn to. So uh, right now, I'm, I'm the biggest fan of the Fuller Institute's online uh, discipleship platform. So I can't recommend that enough. So if you just type in Fuller Institute, it'll take you to a website with all different kinds of um, spiritual practices. And the rule of life is one of them. And that, uh, of course, will help you... Um, review different options. Um, I also really love Adele Cahoon's Spiritual Discipleship um, Handbook. Is that a book? And it's a book, yeah. So you can order it. And I think it's called Spiritual Disciplines. It's Adele Cah Calhoun. And she, like, I think there's like 167 different. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah, I'm, no, it's like. It's, it's, I'm used to like the Richard Foster one with 12. 167 sounds way more interesting. Oh, it's wild. It's, um, and it's, what I love about it is, um, like sometimes we have a pretty, and I, like, I know I'm guilty of this. Like I, I, I lean towards the contemplative, right? Sure. So like, that's where my mind goes. But like this book talks about um, spiritual friendship. So, so I think someone like you, like, you know, like you're such an extrovert and you love people so much. Flaming like having a spiritual extrovert. Friend. Crazy yeah. flaming extrovert. Like you, there are people who sit by themselves sometimes. Like that sounds <laughs> so claustrophobic to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like for you, then like, you know, something like a spiritual friendship might be a really a great kind of um, practice for you to adopt. There's also like, like for people who are more justice minded, there's the justice practices. And, and what I really like is that it's all characterized as part of discipleship. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and sometimes we can make those false separations. And I think her book does a really good job of. Oh man, that. if we can just get away from those dualisms, right? What a gift that would be and bring it all into a, the oneness kind of theology. That's so nice to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. The third and final uh, big reveal that you had in your chapter um, was basically around practicing faith and disciple making outside of a church building. Hmm. Um, now, so cyclical, we, we started as a, as a group focused only on church starting, but have been expanding toward working with existing churches as well, which now adds this component uh, in, in the ministry, in, in our ministry, and I know in your ministry, uh, helping people uh, understand church outside of just the building um, has been a thing for a long time. But what, what, what changed in COVID where this specifically got brought out um, for a post-COVID theology? Well, I, I think we realized how um, fragile our local fabrics are. So like all of a sudden local businesses were under threat of closure because you know, with, without people buying their services and they, they couldn't afford their rents. And so um, I think one of the, the gifts of COVID is that it's turned our attention towards the local and like the needs of our neighbors. So I think people have become better neighbors. I think people have become better attuned to supporting local businesses and the importance and the contribution, like recognizing the contribution local businesses make, right? Like those are what adds character right? So to a neighborhood. So I think um, our eyes have been opened in a new way to the needs of the local. And I think this is an opportunity for the church to, um, to really encourage its members to be good neighbors. So like starting by looking at like who lives around you? Mm -hmm. um, do you know their names? Do you know their stories? Uh, like, now is an opportunity, like neighbors are starting to talk to each other. Are there needs, like is there a senior living near you that might struggle to get groceries? Is there a way that you can help? Right. Um, and then also just looking at like the, the neighborhood fabric, like what's going on in your neighborhood and, and mm -hmm. how, how might that need support during this time? Yeah, I've heard um, so many churches during COVID struggle with what it means to do evangelism, uh, what it means to make disciples outside the church. Uh, and uh, I think Andrea Parrott said, well, all the more reason right now to join in with things that people are already doing. Yeah. I know neighborhood to neighborhood in Los Angeles, and I'm sure it's the same in Toronto. People have been doing tremendously creative things. We've had so much fun joining up with like, we have, we, we have the Eagle Rock isolation band that happens in my neighborhood. Wow. And they, it's like three women, they all have three houses side by side by side. And they turn on their amps and they sing songs and people go with blankets and listen. It's so much fun, right? What a yeah. great thing to join yeah. in with them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, we had a, um, a really great thing happen over Halloween. One of our neighbors, because we, we weren't allowed to trick or treat. Mm -hmm. And so one of our neighbors um, set up this uh, like haunted backyard mm -hmm. and each family could go through one by one as a way to have like a Halloween experience, but like in a socially distanced way. And, right. um, and then, of course, like you end up having like this mini street party anyways, right? Right? Because, you know, it's our families are waiting to go into the backyard. And it's just right. like these are easy things to do, but it really does create like like a plate, like a neighborhood feel and, and, and um, enjoy it at this time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's well said. Well said. So so we're, the light is at the end of the tunnel, at least so the scientists say with COVID, uh, with vaccines coming in the next God knows, hopefully within the next yeah. year. Um, what can church leaders, uh, denominational leaders, uh, and just individuals be doing on a practical level 
to set themselves up as they as we move out of COVID to become better centers of disciple making? Well, I think just keeping in mind that um, you know people like we all struggle, um, and and really being attentive listeners to how people are struggling and mm-hmm. speaking into that, I think that's going to be a key moving forward because I th- I think it's an opportunity. Like I think it's people are ready to form real community. And I think like leaders need to be hyper attentive to that. Like how do we draw our people together? How do we create safe spaces? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we need to keep our eyes open to the local needs. But I also think that there are consistence in discipleship. So no matter what time we are in, there's certain, like as a leader, there are questions you should be asking yourself about a discipleship program. Mm-hmm. And I think there are like, and I talk about this in the chapter, there are three key ones that I think um, should always have. So. Mm-hmm. How is this discipleship ministry equipping people to follow Jesus? Mm-hmm. How is this discipleship program equipping people to love God? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think that one's like, it's, it's so key. And then also like, how um, is like, are our discipleship programs helping people discern the movement of the Holy Spirit in their lives? Well, first of all, well done with the Trinitarian frame on that. I love it. And then second <laughs> of all, like it's, yeah, it, it it's, um, it's amazing to me again, we kind of started here, uh, but the, the, a vision for this, um, is, is lost over the course of time. You, you know, I guess you got to run the Sunday worship services. You have to have the meetings, the building has a leak, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but for you, I know this is really the heart of what it means to be the church, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, like, I, I think you're right. Like we can get so caught up in, in the schedule mm-hmm. of the church that we, um, uh, you know, we think of like, you know, and I, like I'm, when I say we, like I, I include myself in this, when I worked in a congregation, if I felt like if I was holding a Bible study, I felt like I had done discipleship well. Um, and I, and I really think as leaders, we need to be holding these questions because, you know, we don't want to just teach people about Jesus or teach people about like the biblical context. Like that's amazing to learn and super interesting. Mm-hmm. But what we're really talking about is transforming lives. Mm-hmm. Right. So how, are we helping our people actually become followers of Jesus, right? Um, in their own, like the way that God is calling them to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I also think like we, we talk a lot about um, loving our neighbor, which is super important, but like, how do we love God, mm-hmm. right? And, and uh, like in the chapter, I talk a little bit about when I first became a Christian 20 years ago, um, I joined the most amazing church community. I love them and they were amazing. They, they raised me up as a leader and I just... Um, I'm so super grateful to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I wished they had told me at the beginning was how to, how to be like a Christian. Like no one taught me how to pray. Uh, like, right. And, but we because don't, what were right. You like, on instead? Uh, like, uh, it was at, it was like during the Jubilee period. So like Jubilee 2000 was like a huge thing at that time. And so a lot around social justice and, yeah. um, and, uh, justice practices, which, which was amazing. Like it was such yeah. a great foundation. Um, well, you're naming a dualism here that's just present, right? And yeah. so it feels like churches are either into either like the the more outward seeking justice aspects yeah. or they're more into their own personal stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so either uh, don't really engage with neighbors that well or engage with neighbors really well, but really, I don't know, what's the word? Uh, take care of yourself and your own discipleship. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh and I just think we, we take certain things for granted because we, I guess also because we were a Christian nation, like historically, we assume people like read the Bible, like know that you're supposed to read the Bible, know that you're supposed to pray. And 
um, that there's a way to do that. But it's, um, I don't think it's as obvious as that. Like I, I had to learn, like I really had to learn and, um, and, you know, becoming someone who reads the Bible regularly um, and like through like a Bible study practice, like has transformed my discipleship. Like you really do need the word of God in order to become a good disciple and, and also like practices of prayer and, and spending time with God. So I think that's an area that the church, um, like and that I, I constantly have to work on in my own life. And I think that the church constantly has to work on. Yeah. Well said, well, what a good place to land. I know many Christian leaders struggle with those two things, as simple as they may sound, good call and reminder. Yeah. And uh, it's the, the disciple making is not going to happen uh, without mm-hmm. leaders tending to their own process of discipleship. So yeah, thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, so if people want to contact you, learn more, if people want to partner uh, with what you do, where, where can they find you? Um, they can find me at, if you just go to the Presbyterian website and you look up Canadian ministries, um, you'll find my email there. So it's, or if you go to the, the, the church contact list. So if you just go to the national office website of the Presbyterian church in Canada, um, my name is Jen Decolm. Um, and my email is jdecolm at presbyterian.ca. So you can email me, um, and I'd be happy to connect. Well, Jen, as always, thank you for the way that you lead people. Uh, thank you uh, for your care for disciple making. And uh, I just appreciate that you're a person that lives it. And uh, that living of it has been very generative uh, in the midst of the people to whom you're called to serve. So as always, thank you. Oh, well, thank you for having me here. It's a real honor. And thank you for asking me to read a chapter. Absolutely. And to our listeners, thanks for listening. We know your time is valuable. And thanks for giving us your time. My name is Nick Warness. I'm the executive director of Cyclical Incorporated. Until next time, have a good one. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Cyclical Podcast, a resource of Cyclical Incorporated. You can join us on mission by going to cyclicalchurches.com and signing up to pray with us daily, Luke 10-2, for God to send out workers into the harvest. This episode was produced by Brianna Kinsman and me, Brendan McClenahan. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with a friend. Catch you next time.